It's the 7th of September, 2022. So we set our hearts on training and mindfulness, making our samadhi well-established, and bringing our minds to a single object. Throughout the day, these minds of ours, these knowing elements, they receive many sense impressions. And then when we receive those, then there's proliferation that happens. If it's a sense impression that we find pleasurable, then there's a certain kind of proliferation. If it's a sense impression we dislike, then we also proliferate on that as well. And so from that, um, a being, a self, a me and a you comes up, due to ignorance, due to this avijja. But if we know in time all of this, all of the proliferation that happens, we see that these are just sense impressions. They're not me, they're not mine. The proliferation that happens is just one of the khandas, the sankhara khanda, the memory that comes up, as the sanya kanda, the feelings of pleasure, of displeasure, this is vedana kanda. And these all rely upon the rupa kanda, a functioning brain. And this is what allows us to be able to remember and think. So if we know all of these in time as they're happening, that these are just the five kandas, and we see that it's just sense impressions. It's also the Dhamma Aramanas, these impressions which arise within the mind. So if we're aware of those, if we know them as they are, as they're happening, then the mind becomes empty through seeing into the nature of these conventions. The mind reaches vimuti, this liberation. But the reason that we have problems is because we don't see, we don't understand. We don't see how all these physical and mental things are, anicca, dukkha, anatta, how they're changing and they're suffering and they're not self. So we take all of them as being me, being mine. Take all of them as being a being, an individual, a me, a you. If we have that wisdom to know that they're not me, they're not mine. It's physicality, mentality, it's not a being, it's not an individual, it's not me, it's not you. And we see that this is the path through freedom from suffering. It's the path that allows us to cultivate wisdom. But for this wisdom to come up and to be functioning, then we need a mind which is still and calm. And if it's just temporary, then it's temporary wisdom that we gain. But this still allows us to see this path with clarity, this path of practice. It starts off with generosity and virtue. It's giving. When we give, then the heart feels full and happy. And we recollect that goodness as well, the things that we've done, what we've sacrificed, what we've given. This brings up fullness in the heart. 
This is what we call jaga, nusati, kamatana, the object of recollecting, uh, giving our sacrifices. And maybe this happiness stays in the heart for half a day, that the mind feels really joyful and refreshed and bright, this happiness of heart and peace of heart as well. So, as Buddhists, we do a lot of good things. There are many, many generous people having the faith there to do that. But there are very few who recollect their goodness and their generosity, who use that as a meditation object. For the most part, we think that when we've done good things, then we've got merit and our job is done. But if we recollect that goodness frequently, then the merit that we gain increases and grows. It brings peace of mind. And this peace is the highest form of merit. So when we have been generous, then we can compare that happiness that we get with the happiness that comes from sights, sounds, tastes, odors, tactile sensations, and thoughts that we like, that are desirable. The fullness of heart, the happiness of heart that arises from the goodness, it's of a different quality. And then there's that which we gain from samadhi, the happiness, the joy from samadhi, that there's no proliferation within the mind, the mind is still and just still. And so when the mind is peaceful, then there is happiness there within that peace. So we can give rise to this within our hearts. And when we do, then this develops into wisdom, knowing the things that we experience in this world for what they are. So when we have these qualities, then the mind experiences great happiness, a great freshness and joy to the mind. So we see that the things that we gain in this world, that having been born in this world, that it's natural that we get things. And then when we do, we are pleased by that. But when we lose that wealth, then there's suffering. So do we contemplate, before that happens, that these things are not sure? The possessions, the wealth that we have, this is something that floods are able to destroy. And so maybe we get a new car, and then there's a great flood, and that car is destroyed or is wasted. But if we have wisdom, then we're able to reflect that even though this has uh, been damaged or destroyed, my body is still here. And this body is something that's very important, because if we still have a body, we're able to find new wealth. That I'm not ill yet, this body isn't disabled, so I'm very fortunate. I still have life, so I'm able to fight again. So we should contemplate seeing how these things are normal. And even the decay of this body is something that's normal. 
because it's deteriorating with each and every in-breath and out-breath. Each breath that we breathe is one less left in our lives. Each time the heart beats, that's one beat less. So if we contemplate like this, then wisdom can arise and maybe we can know and see the Dhamma. We need to be very intent in our training, in our practice, in our meditation. But also get these things in balance as well. Because if we're too stressed, then that's also not the correct path. If we're too lax, that's not the right path. And so these are the ways of karma, sukali kana yoko, and atta kilamatana yoko. And so the extremes of indulging in sensuality and self-mortification. But we also don't use that as, as an excuse either, that this is making me stressed, so I just won't do it. That's the reasoning of the defilements. We need to train. We have a strong body, so we can train. Because we just don't know how much longer we're going to be in this world for. So we should be intent in our practice, building up our barami before that happens. The merit that we gain is our support, and the support for all beings, for this world and the next world. We have to travel a very long way, so we need food, we need supplies in order to survive the journey. And our journeying in samsara can go very far. And if we don't have merit to support us, then we meet with great suffering and difficulty. The supports for a life is not enough, and when that's the case, then meditation is very difficult because there's so much ardour and suffering in our lives, and we don't have the time to practice. So this is other than people who have a lot of old barami. And even though they meet with difficulty and suffering in their lives, that can be a cause for suffering, to, for wisdom to arise. And they're able to know and see the Dharma due to that. And like some disciples of the Buddha, they had great wisdom, the bhikkhu and bhikkhuni disciples, the male and female lay disciples. They're able to know the Dhamma, see the Dhamma, because of the wisdom that they had. So we can ask ourselves, well, these minds of ours, even though we don't want them to think, why is it that they just carry on thinking? We don't want for suffering to arise, but it still comes up within our hearts. And it's because all dhammas, all phenomena or qualities, have causes as their birthplace, causes that give rise to them. So the suffering is the same, and if the cause for suffering aren't there, then suffering simply can't arise. So Venerable Sariputta, uh, previously he had ordained and become a wanderer in another sect outside of Buddhism. And his teacher, he had a teacher called Sanchai. He also had a lot of wisdom and he was searching for an arahant, a fully awakened being, with his friend uh, Mahamogalana. 
but he wasn't able to find any, so he came back to his old teacher, Sancho. Uh, but then one day he saw Venerable Asaji while he was on arms round in Rajagya. And due to the great wisdom that Sariputta had, he could see the behavior, the mannerisms of Venerable Asaji, and great faith arose. He saw he had a radiant face, just like the full moon. These days we could say he had an aura, a very bright aura. So he had wisdom, Venerable Sariputta. He saw that this is not a normal person. It's not just any old ordinary person. Never seen someone like this before, with a bright aura like this. So he followed him in order to study the Dharma from him. And when Venerable Asaji had finished with his tasks, then Sariputta went to ask him about the Dhamma, ask him for just a short teaching. So he asked, well, who is your teacher and what does he teach? And Venerable Asaji uh, could see that this was a wise person. And so he answered that, well, I'm very new to this dispensation, so I'm not able to give you a very refined or thorough teaching. And uh, the perfectly self-awakened Buddha, that he is my teacher. And Venerable Sariputta, he was wise. He said, I don't need a lot of teaching, just kind of give me the gist. He'd studied a lot, he'd heard a lot already. So he knew that to just listen to a little bit was enough. So what Venerable Asaji said, he talked about the nature of physical and mental things and how all of them need causes for their arising. So all of these things arise due to causes, they don't just appear out of thin air. And when their causes cease, then those qualities cease. He said this is what the sasada, this is what the teacher expounds. That all dhammas have causes for their arising. When those causes cease, then those dhammas cease. And through listening to this, Sariputta saw the dhamma. He saw that it's just like this, it is this way. And he said, well that's enough. Because he had made a pact with his friend that whoever would find the Dhamma first, they would hurry up and tell their friend. So he was keeping that agreement that he made. So he went back and he told Mahamokalana, and he became a Sotapanna as well, due to his Bharami being full already. Then they went to ordain with the perfectly self-awakened Buddha, after just seven days, Venerable Mahamogalana became an arahant. Venerable Sariputta, the right-hand disciple, he had a lot of wisdom and it took him 15 days. So as while he was listening to the Buddha teach his nephew, Diganaka Brahman, and that he was fanning the Buddha, and so he got to listen to another teaching during that time, 
and Diganaka Brahman became a Sotapanna, and Sariputta became an Arahant. This was in a cave on Vulture's Peak. So his samadhi was already complete, so wisdom could arise like this. For all of us, may we really give it our best, put all we have into developing this path, into practicing, putting in our effort, setting our hearts on this, cultivating samadhi. Even though it's hard, we should still try. Whether standing, walking, sitting, lying down, maintaining mindfulness, having an object of recollection. And if we do that, then our samadhi will become firm. When I was at Wat Nambapong, Nubalajan Chah, he wouldn't kind of expound on things in great detail, separate things out. He'd say, just have a lot of effort into your mindfulness, train a lot, develop this a lot, Um, practice samadhi a lot. Know the truth of this body, how it's a heap of anicca, dukkha, anatta. Study this, know this, until you understand it clearly. If we have wisdom, then we can see these things easily. But if we're lacking in wisdom, then we just won't see it. And greed, hatred and delusion arises. So it's like us humans of a long, long time ago, in ancient times, um, that initially there was uh, wheat, and when people uh, would want to cook a meal, they would go and uh, cut just enough of that wheat uh, to feed themselves for that day. But then people's greed increased, and they wanted to store that wheat and those grains for themselves in a granary. So they would go and cut, uh, harvest a lot of wheat at one time. And in that way, the wheat wouldn't be able to regenerate or regrow uh, in time to be able to feed everyone. And so people kept storing this and kept cutting a lot of the wheat And in the end, uh, the grains that were available were less and less. And the amount of food that people had was less and less. And so things get out of balance in this way. And it's just like in this present day, that human society has developed a lot materially. And as a result, we are destroying much of the resources in the world the earth, water, fire, and air that comprise this physical world um, are getting out of balance, they're changing. So sometimes there's floods, it's a lot of rain that comes down, and at other times it's very dry and there are fires. And the people in the world, they're not able to overcome this. And they are destroying nature, and nature is fighting back. And so this is creating a lot of difficulty and chaos for us. And so for this monastery, I've established this monastery for 36 years already, and this year 
Um, today and yesterday, it was the most rain that we've ever had. And some years it's very dry. And um, up to this month of September, there really isn't much water at all. And then other years, there's floods. So it's similar to the body. It gives rise to illness in this way when it comes out of balance. And when nature is out of balance, then it causes much difficulty for all the people in this world. So if we have energy to our minds, then we can contemplate in a way that gives rise to wisdom. We see that this is the nature of the world, kind of to be this way. That it arises, stays for a bit and ceases. Everything changes according to causes and conditions. And for those who have wisdom, all they have to do is just know this, and then they know the Dhamma. It's not necessary to go and read a lot of things, know a lot of things. You can just see this breath. The breath comes in, it stays for a bit, and then it goes. So we ask ourselves, why is it that we take this breath as being me? If we don't have breath anymore, then this body dies. Everyone's body dies. Mine and yours as well. So our lives in this world, they're just temporary. We don't stay here forever. So when this is the case, then we use our time to build up goodness, merit and skillfulness and do this a lot before we have to leave this world. We create a lot of good karma. And the result of that is happiness. The result of our bad karma is suffering. And so our karma it follows us. And all people wish to have happiness. So we should all do good karma, do good deeds. So may you set your hearts on this, on listening, on studying, on knowing the Dhamma. And then practicing, meditating, so that you gain a clear and deeper understanding of this. The Buddha, he saw this already, and he taught the path to the Dhamma. And we can ask ourselves, when will we have the opportunity to meet with this path again? When we die from this life, are we going to meet with the teachings of the Buddha again? But this life we have met with these teachings, that which has the greatest value, that which is able to bring our hearts out of suffering, so when this, when we've met with this way, then we should really hurry up to practice it, seeing the dangers there in sangsara, and being heedful. So Ajahn Chah, he gave a very sharp teaching, very wise teaching. He said that if we see a snake, then really we can see that the venom and the snake, they're not two separate things. Because if that snake bites us, um, then the venom comes in and there's great pain, maybe even death. So in the same way, we should see the dangers and the causes for suffering and see the pain that comes from them and try to abandon them. 
this path of practice, if we're going to summarize it, we say that we should have virtue, generosity and virtue, and be meditating. And this is the way, the maga, which is able to defeat the defilements. So we contemplate how things are not sure, they're temporary, they're impermanent. And through this, then, we can use this path to win out over the defilements. And that's if this path has energy to it. But if it's weak, then it's the defilements that will win. So it's like there's a battle that's going on. But we also need to realize how these kilesas, they're the world champions. And it's not just in one day that we're going to defeat them. So we need to forbear. We need to try to put in our effort to train our minds. Initially we need to be able to pass over the nivaranas, the defilements, these things which obstruct our minds from entering samadhi. And then when we can get into samadhi, then we'll be able to defeat these defilements little by little, seeing anicca, dukkha, anatta, seeing the nature of physical and mental things so that we don't attach to them. And this will be able to solve our problems. And in the end, we'll be able to see the Dhamma, attain to the Dhamma. So may all of you set your hearts on this.